I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 226 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, it's time for another Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Today's guest is a former Navy SEAL. He is also a combat veteran and a Purple Heart recipient. John Allen will be joining me here on the podcast. It's such an honor to have him on the show, so please stick around for the interview. Quite a few of you guys called me out for a mistake I made yesterday. I stated that there is over 5,500 hours of content of the podcast available here, which would be over 200 straight days. That, of course, is incorrect. There are over 5,500 minutes of content available of the podcast, which is more around uh, 91 hours of listening enjoyment in the archives. Uh, So thank you for those of you who hit me up on my website, firstclassfatherhood.com, to bring that to my attention. And since my interview on Fox and Friends, I have received an overwhelming amount of emails and requests by a lot of you dads out there who would like to come on the podcast and share your fatherhood journeys. Uh, Please be patient with me as I try to respond to each and every email and DM that I receive. Uh, Next week, I'll be hitting you guys with five episodes before I shut it down for the summertime. Sales are already coming in from the First Class Fatherhood shop, and everything is 15% off right now. So if you're interested in showing your support for First Class Fatherhood, hit the link in the description of today's podcast episode and check out the selection of T-shirts, hats, mugs, and more, all available in the store right now. And what a way to bookend another incredible week of the show. We began back on Monday with Lee Greenwood, who penned the patriotic song, God Bless the USA. And we're going to finish off the week today with a real American hero. Also this week, we had former NFL head coach Hugh Jackson, whose foundation helps the victims of human trafficking. We also had a couple of Hollywood dads as well, Aiden Stay, a stuntman, and yesterday, Carl McDowell, who stars in HBO's Ballers. Uh, So if you missed any of those, please uh, just flip it back a couple episodes and check out the ones that you missed. And please share this podcast with every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to jump into the action right now with former Navy SEAL John Allen. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. You are going to hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to consider becoming a sponsor of First Class Fatherhood, please hit me up with an email, firstclassfatherhood at gmail.com. All right, and joining me now is a first class father. He is a combat veteran who served with the elite United States Navy SEAL teams. He is also a Purple Heart recipient, and he is the founder of Elite Meet, which connects elite veterans with high quality employment opportunities. It is a big honor for me to say, John Allen, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thanks for having me on, Alec. All right, let's do this. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? I have two kids. I have a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, both girls. Wow, okay, very cool. Uh, Did you do any type of uh, gender reveal to find out what you're having, or did you wait until the end? No, we did a gender reveal. Uh, We just went to, like, a a local clinic where they do, like, an hour-long ultrasound, and, like, we walked in, and they told us in, like, five minutes that we had girls. Um, So, I don't know. I think our plan is to have a, a third child here probably in the next year, and for that one, we may hold off altogether and just be surprised because it's definitely going to be our last one. 
Okay, yeah, that's what we thought. We found out with our first two as well, which were boys, and then we waited until the end with our third, which was another boy, and then we got the girl on the fourth try. So if we didn't get her on four, there's a good chance we'd have five by now. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you, man. (laughs) All right, John, please take a minute here just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Uh, So I'm a former Navy SEAL, um, grew up in Boston, went to college, kind of was a mediocre student, um, discovered the SEAL teams when I had the opportunity to actually meet some Navy SEALs. Um, It just kind of blew me away, you know, just being in their presence. I was just so impressed by the caliber of people they were, um, and I really wanted to be like them. And so when I graduated college uh, from the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, um, went right into the Navy, was lucky enough to get through training, uh, went to the SEAL teams. I was there for seven years. Unfortunately, I was hurt in Afghanistan in 2014, um, which although that did not immediately prompt my exit from the military, it ultimately is what um, led me to be medically retired in 2017. Um, but uh, my transition out of the military uh, took me down a path to where um, I was really struggling to find a job, um, you know, I, I kind of had this idea that being a, you know, Navy SEAL, that it would be pretty easy to, you know, get a job in corporate America. And I'm not saying that that's not necessarily true. It's that you still need to, like, go through the process of, you know, meeting people and advertising yourself and kind of, like, showing the world why people should hire you beyond the kind of obligatory, wow, it's cool, you're a Navy SEAL. And I found that a lot of people from my community in the Navy uh, they don't realize how big of a gap there is between service and uh, finding a job in corporate America. And so in an effort to get myself a job, uh, me and my co-founder named Jordan Selleck, who's a guy out in New York, former investment banker, we started hosting these networking events uh, that, again, was just really supposed to help me get a job, uh, but it turned into a thriving community of uh, transitioning special operators, Navy SEALs, Green Braves, fighter pilots that were coming to these events. Um, and it's turned into uh, a company now. So the company is called Elite Meet, and we basically host these events all over the, the country and soon to be all over the world, basically taking the elite military transitioning members and pairing them up with corporate America to help, help them get a job. Uh, I've, been doing that, I've been doing that since I stepped out of the military in 2017, and I'm doing that full-time. So I'm running a, this charity, Elite Meet, and uh, on the side I do some social media consulting, uh, because we've actually used social media as our primary sales funnel for um, Elite Meet. We've raised over a million dollars just through basically social media. And so I've been doing some social media consulting on the side. And so here I am now living in Virginia with my family, and that's what I do. Yeah, and what an incredible journey you've had here, John. And just like you were, I am so impressed with your entire community, just the caliber of men that you are. And we are certainly blessed as a nation to have guys like you. And I would agree. I don't think of a Navy SEAL as anything else. I never think, uh, you know, what is a Navy SEAL going to do once his Navy SEAL career is over? Uh, But it's almost like NFL players. We never really think of a pro NFL player as what they're going to do once their career is over. And most of these guys are done in their mid to late 20s. Funny you bring up sports because that's actually one area that we – as an organization have begun uh, collaborating uh, with professional sports teams. We actually, last year, we were invited to come in to the New England Patriots organization and speak to some of their players about the transition, not just out of the military into civilian life, but very specifically out of an elite team with a very established um, identity, like a Navy SEAL. Like, it's, it's, it is, it's not just a job, it's like a lifestyle. 
um, and, and how we're kind of coaching our members through their transition process. Um, and so we built some curriculum for the Patriots, and we kind of talked to their players, and it's very clear that, albeit there is a huge difference in job, and obviously financially there's a big gulf between pro sports and, you know, elite military, but the identity crisis that ensues when you leave behind the thing that you're really best known for, um, that is very much the same. And there's lots of collaboration that's probably going to happen over the next couple of years between us and some teams. Yeah, that's very cool. And I actually had the opportunity to be down in Atlanta this year for the Super Bowl to interview Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, and all those guys for the podcast here. So um, I had them all talking about fatherhood for media day. Wow, that's awesome. All right. Well, with all the experiences that you have had, John, how did the experience of becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Um, I kind of, well, see, when I, uh, when my wife is pregnant with our first child, um, I was deployed and I guess I just, I, I, I don't think I put enough time into really thinking about how being a father was going to impact my life. I think I was looking at it much more practically. Like I was, I was concerned about whether I'd get home in time to like make the birth. I was concerned about making sure we didn't have money to, you know, support the child. I was thinking, you know, logistically and almost administratively. I wasn't really thinking about the breadth of impact or, like, the scope of impact of, like, having this other life in our life. <laughs> and it wasn't until I met my daughter for the first time, you know, when she was born, she took my breath away. I mean, she's sitting in that little, uh, like, panda warmer thing that where they keep the babies warm after they're born. And... It was like I couldn't believe that I had a human being that was 50% me and, like, my kid. It just was mind-blowing, and um, it really just had a massive impact across my whole life. Um, I, I remember feeling very grateful for the fact that I was being medically retired, uh, or really that I was retiring, period, um, because it was right when I had my first child. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like, I can't imagine deploying again with a child. I can't imagine doing a host of things now that I have a child. Um, and so really it's, I've been, I've been blessed to have the good fortune to have a career um, that allows me to be home quite a bit with my, with my family, and I really cherish every moment I can uh, with my daughters and my wife. And I'm just, I love, I love being a dad. It's, it's probably the best, it is the best thing that's happened to me, and really there's nothing that, that comes close. Yeah, very well said. And did Hell Week uh, prepare you for having two kids back-to-back so close in age together? You know, it's funny. Uh, my wife is infinitely more patient with our kids than I am. Uh, it isn't that I just, like, lose my temper. It's that I don't know how to, like, when a kid get when one of our kids gets real ramped up and they're freaking out and crying, and it, it was like I, I was not able to calm them down. And so it just felt futile when <laughs> I'm, like, sitting there trying to make them feel better. But my wife would just, like, walk in and, and everything would be all better again. So I think of the two of us, my wife seems like she has taken to motherhood in a way that I have. I'm still grappling with, like, the art of being a father. Because right now I'm really good at playing and, like, doing the whole dad thing. But, man, like, there are days where probably hell it would be easier than, you know, <laughs> taking care of two crazy kids running around. <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil the surprise for you here, John, but going from two to three is a tall order. It was definitely the most challenging transition for my wife and I. But once you master that, going from three to four is a piece of cake. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. I'm, I'm looking forward to three, but at the same time, I'm definitely nervous about it. Yeah, it's well worth it, though. And 
It's time to get an important word from our sponsors, then back with more with John Allen. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Are you enjoying First Class Fatherhood? Did you know you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? It may sound insane, but it's true. There is a free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Seriously, just go download the free PodCoin app on your iPhone or Android, and if you use my special code, Fatherhood, you will get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. The more you listen, the more PodCoin you earn. And then you turn those PodCoins into gift cards for places like Amazon, Starbucks, or more. So go ahead and listen to this podcast on PodCoin and sign up using the code FATHERHOOD. It will change the way you listen to podcasts. Let's go, dads. Summertime is upon us here, and there is no better way to spend time with your kids this summer than to take them to a live event, whether that's out at the ball field, at a monster truck rally, or even a Broadway show. Buy your tickets on SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and apply my code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. And First Class Fatherhood listeners are going to save $20 off their ticket purchase. Get over to SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and buy all your tickets for this summer's fun. Maybe you want to take them to their first concert. Go to SeatGeek.com and apply my code FIRSTCLASS. One word, FIRSTCLASS, and save $20 off your ticket purchase. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. And what does your bedtime routine look like with the girls, John? Are you a storyteller? Are you singing them lullabies? How do you get them down to sleep? Um, so I typically come back from uh, work somewhere between 4 and 5. Um, I usually make dinner. Uh, my wife at that point kind of takes a, a little bit of a break. Really, she just goes and like does you know chores around the house or whatever. But she's kind of away from the kids for the first time for the day. Make the kids dinner, and then after dinner, I give them a bath. Um, and then by about um, maybe 7.30 or 8, we put both kids down and, you know, let's bring them up. They both brush their teeth, uh, and then I read them both a book. And then hopefully they go down to sleep. My, my youngest right now, she, we've got a good routine where she'll, she'll lay down, and she has all her stuffed animals. She has, like, seven stuffed animals that she, like, cherishes. And so I... When I put her in her crib, like one by one, I hand her each stuffed animal, and I tell them, I say, here's Bunny, and she takes Bunny and squeezes Bunny and gives Bunny a kiss, and here's Penguin, and she does the same thing, and by the time I've given her Sea Turtle, which is her seventh uh, stuffed animal, she's like ready for bed. It's like, here's all seven of your, your little babies, and then she, you know, she goes right off to sleep, but my older one... Um, she is now getting into getting out of bed and opening the door, which she's learned how to do recently. It had like a child lock on it, but she figured it out. Um, and so now we're at the, <laughs> at the place where she can sleep. She is a good sleeper, but she's also like, she'll get up in the middle of the night and just open her door and leave her room. So uh, it's a toss of how things are going to go with her. But uh, yeah, I, I usually read and then put them in bed and hope for the best. Yeah, very cool. And you are a fairly new dad yourself here. And a lot of times when we are a dad for the first time, well, this may be a little bit different for you being a Navy SEAL, but uh, for a lot of new dads, when we're walking down the street with our families for the first time, we're a little bit on edge, a little nervous because we want to protect our family and keep them safe. So uh, what are some good situational awareness tips that you could hit us with here uh, to help us when we're walking down the street in a major city with our families? Uh, I think that one of the things that I think I definitely do. I don't know if this is necessarily a, uh, a product of being in the, in the teams or not. Um, but I, I tend to look at people's hands when I'm walking down the street. 
Um, you can tell a lot about what people's intent is based on what they're doing with their hands. Um, like if someone has their hands concealed, they're probably more con they're probably more of a threat to you than if their hands are out. It doesn't mean that like everybody with their hands in their pockets is a threat, but instead of just like looking around and trying to like suss people out like from their whole body and whole image from a distance, I just look at people's hands to see what they're doing with their hands. Um, if, they're, if, they're, if they have their phone out, then there's a very good chance that they're probably not paying remotely any attention to you. Um, but if people have their hands tucked away and they're not, you know, using technology and they're by themselves, that, that puts me on alert. Um, and so, but I would honestly say that I, ha I have that anxiety when I'm out with my family. Uh, like I'm constantly scanning and looking for, you know, potential threats. But I, I think that's actually much more of a, just a human reaction, like a, a fatherly kind of like, like you said, I mean, I think that's just kind of what men naturally do. Uh, they, they're, they're on edge for their family's sake. Um, but I try not to let that completely dictate, you know, whether or not I'm going to go to a certain activity. Like, I, I like to go do big public things, you know, like the uh, if there's a fair, like I'm not going to freak out about security concerns because I know my kids are going to get a lot out of it. And so the risk kind of outweighs the – or the reward outweighs the risk, even though really the risk is just in my head most of the time. So I look at people's hands. That's typically a pretty good tell. Uh, and I definitely look around and scan the audience and, and, and scan the people around me. But by and large, I try not to let that completely rule my life. Yeah, good stuff, John. And I know that you have the elite meet helping veterans to transition. Uh, what, what would you say was the hardest part for yourself as far as transitioning out of the teams? Um, I think realizing that my peers on the civilian side, so just the people that are in their late 20s, early 30s, um, they've spent a decade learning to speak, you know, business, for lack of a better kind of generic term. Um, and when I left the military, um, even though I was starting a business that was, uh, was on a, uh, it, was a it, it was helping a group that I really fundamentally understood, like it's helping my teammates and it's helping veterans, um, it was really challenging to try to do like to try to go out and solicit more business for my business because I didn't know how to speak civilian business. I knew how to speak military. And so I was really good at kind of attracting veterans and speaking to military, but it's, it's, it was very awkward for me to learn how to speak to people in industry. And it still is. It isn't like now I've learned, but I've spent, you know, the better part of almost two years, you know, speaking to business leaders, um, you know, all over the place. And so I at least have heard enough kind of business lingo that uh, it's less of a distraction now. But there were times where I'd take a call with, with anybody in virtually any industry, and I'd have to take notes on everything they said just to try, try to get a sense of what the heck we were talking about afterwards. <laughs> so I would say that that's probably the biggest one. Uh, and then secondarily, uh, I would say that imposter syndrome was, was pretty big for me. Um, you know, stepping into a – being the CEO of a startup – one, you feel kind of awkward calling yourself a CEO when the when the business barely exists. Like it's, I mean, yeah, like when you start a company, like you're the CEO of it kind of by default, and you're not walking around parading that you're a CEO necessarily. But as your company begins to grow and you start to generate revenue and you start to have a team, um, you go from feeling like the underdog and kind of enjoying running a business, like this is cool that I'm the CEO, it's kind of goofy, to like having real expectations placed on you. And I think that... Uh, it was when we had money and a team and we had a footprint 
that I was like, what the heck am I doing? Like, who am I, like, walking around calling myself a CEO when I can barely understand the people I'm talking to in business? Like, I felt like I, I wasn't in the right place, that I was, like, somehow lying or, like, you know, I, sh I was an imposter. Like, that's, it, that's really what I felt like. And so that took some getting used to. I think that I, I def it definitely took some time to get used to that role. Um, but now, you know, I'm, I'm so accustomed to, to being in charge of Elite Meat that now it just feels very normal and I feel much more relaxed and, and I feel like I get to focus on growing the business. Yeah, and I think as civilians, you know, we sometimes take it for granted. It's one of the reasons why I love to have so many Navy SEALs on the show because it gives us a chance to listen to you talk about stuff that we all go through. Uh, we, I know we have this image in our minds that you guys are superheroes and it's easy to forget that you are human. And there's so many different movies and shows and books made about your community. Uh, in fact, I've had Barry Sloan from History Channel's uh, Six and I've had A.J. Buckley from SEAL Team on the podcast here. Do you ever watch any of these Navy SEAL shows? And if so, how do you kind of feel that they represent the Navy SEAL community? Um, so I don't uh, I don't watch SEAL Team, for example, but from what I've heard, I, I've heard it's a pretty accurate show. Um, I, I definitely have not heard that it's like you know crazy and inaccurate. I think that obviously with anything, it's you know it's easy to pick holes in something that's that's you know trying to you know replicate something as kind of intense and intimate as like you know combat in special operations. Um, but as far as I know, that show's doing, that that show is you know doing good by the community. Um, but no, I, I I honestly I don't watch much TV. I at, at most I'll you know I'll stream like you know a kids show or maybe catch a sports game, but I don't watch much TV. Okay, good enough. And what type of uh, goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? Oh man, I I I, I have a bunch. I would say that uh, I'm trying to. I want to be in a position where I don't have one job that's generating an income i'd like to have multiple i feel like the most successful people i've met um even just financially are people that have multiple streams of income um if nothing else it just it, it diversifies what you're doing it keeps things interesting and like if you you aren't sucked into just doing the one thing and so right now i'm in the process of building a media company um that's actually called nacho media and it's actually we we went live already we have a we have a couple clients uh, we're going to be doing social media consulting and then also some speaking engagements. Um, I'm in the process of writing a book, so that's another one. My wife and I are probably going to get into uh, flipping houses. We put some money aside so that once we uh, move, um, we're actually moving next month to Philadelphia. Uh, we're going to have a chunk of change setting aside to just begin kind of hopefully generating some passive income through real estate and then obviously with Elite Meat being my full-time thing as well. But I'm just kind of I want to be in a position where I have at least three distinct, meaningful streams of income. Uh, at least two of them should be passive. So that, those are some life goals for me. Wow. Okay. Very cool. That's a lot of awesome stuff coming your way. Last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Uh, I have specific advice. I would say that when your wife is pregnant, so before you have your kid, you really need to, to cherish the experience that she's going through, like the nine months that she's pregnant. No matter how she's letting on or, you know, acting, you know, it's a very big deal that she's pregnant, and it goes well beyond, you know, the physical symptoms. It's like a almost spiritual experience for her. It's a very big deal, um, and you, you can't make light of the fact that she's building your child inside of her. You need to be supportive and you need to be excited and you need to like show a, a genuine interest in the fact that she's pregnant and you need to compliment her and make her feel special 
because it's such an, an enormous thing that's happening both physically and emotionally for her. And I definitely didn't do that. I, I was like, oh, well, it'll be great once the kid gets here. You know, that's, that's going to be when this starts. But really, parenthood and motherhood really begins well before the kid arrives. And I did not... I did not appreciate that, and I found out later that that, was, that hurt my wife's feelings that I didn't take it very seriously. Um, so I would say cherish the pregnancy and really build up your wife or your, your partner uh, when she's pregnant because for her it's an, it's an enormous experience, and you really need to be supportive and, and in it with her. Yeah, very well said. Great advice. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. i got to say, John Allen, you are a first-class father. Thank you for your service, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Alec. All right, I'm back with some closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to John Allen for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. I always love to read your feedback. Locking in for next week. I'm going to hit you guys with one more five banger before I shut it down for the summertime here. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all of the guest announcements. That's all I got for you guys this week. I hope you enjoy your weekend with the kids out there. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and tales as tall as a tree's have a soft feeling 